9108 Sports with Icon E and Jacob the Great. The podcasters who speak their minds, not afraid to go against the grain while discussing the latest topics in the NBA, NFL, college football, basketball, and more. Giving the latest interviews and spotlighting the youth of today and tomorrow and the coaches who put it all together while building championship programs. What's going on? What's going on? It's your boy, Iconi. We're here once again. Thank God this morning. We're here once again for 910 Sports, uh, episode 15. Um, we have a packed show. We have a couple of guests coming on this morning. Um, so, you know, I'm asking this to change my theme song. My theme, which y'all hear, my little commercial. I'm get my son to give me a little updated commercial here soon. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, yeah, we got a we got a packed show. You know what I mean? We're gonna talk about this college football weekend, um, NFL predictions, couple of guests coming on. Um, just standing by waiting on my co-hosts to come on. They should be on here in a minute or whatever. Um, hope everybody's having a so far a good a good holiday. Um, or whatever. Um, so got to get this thing, set this thing off here in a minute. Let's see. Uh, let's see where we at. But anyway, man, yesterday, man, was a crazy day in college football. Um, I don't really know what's going on with Georgia. This is this is a repeated pattern with Georgia. Year in and year out, they cannot beat Alabama. And yesterday seemed like uh, – what's up, Mickey? Yesterday seemed like the perfect opportunity for Georgia to finally get Alabama. They had the number one defense in the country. Um, they was lights out. They was blowing everybody out um, throughout the entire season. Um, they was only give. They had a historical um, record as far as uh, statistical statistical record as far as only giving up like seven points a game or something ridiculous over the time of, throughout the season. So I don't know why. Now I did say this, and you know if y'all see, I am a uh, Washington Redskins fan, or whatever Washington football team, whatever you call it, fan. And I said this that that Stinson for Georgia reminds me of Tyler Haneke of Washington. He can use his legs, um, he can make plays, but he's limited in what he can do. He's not necessarily he 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 can he can manage the game. He can make some plays, but. When the rubber meets the road, can he do enough to win? And that I think that's the issue with him. I don't really think he can do enough to win ball games or whatever over the long haul. So um I think that's what kind of showed up yesterday. I think what finally showed up yesterday was that he basically, for the most part, you know what I mean? He did everything he could to try to win that game, but he just limited. And the thing about what I seen the most yesterday with Georgia was that they couldn't stop those wide receivers. As good as that front seven is, Williams and Meacham, they could not do nothing with them. And if they wasn't, if that, that front seven wasn't getting enough pressure on Bryce Young, and Bryce Young, He's like the upgraded version of like a Jalen Hurts. 
He's a little faster, a little stronger. I don't know if they said faster, but he's probably stronger and he has a better arm. Um, you know, what I mean, he might have speed wise, he may be about the same, but stronger, better arm. Um, he's um, a better decision maker than Jalen Hurts at times. And, you know, they pretty much after yesterday gave him the Heisman Trophy, which he probably should, because I don't see nobody else that really stood out over the whole college season. So, you know, I kind of see why he ended up winning it, especially you beat the number one defense in the country um, the way they did. I mean, it, it wasn't well, – it was kind of crazy because when Georgia went up 10 nothing, I thought, okay, well, maybe this is the year. You know, I ain't never seen Alabama give up a 99-yard scoring, scoring drive. And then next thing I know, Alabama woke up and then took off and went on a 17 nothing scoring drive. And I said, okay, well, even when Georgia tied it up, I'm still thinking, like, they can't stop them, though. Just the thing about it was Georgia tied the game up, but they couldn't. What's up, Juliet? What's up, Ryan? They could not stop, you know what I'm saying, Alabama at all. They couldn't, you know what I mean? The only thing they could really stop on the Alabama side was the running game. But the other guys were doing whatever they wanted. Hold on, y'all. Give me one second here. One second. Sorry about that, y'all. Just got word back word from my uh, co-host that he couldn't make it on today. Um, he's feeling under the weather, so you know we're gonna still keep this train moving or whatever, like we always do, um, or whatever. Um, so, but yeah, sorry about that. But anyway, um, Georgia um, basically uh, they just couldn't they couldn't do nothing with they couldn't do nothing with Alabama whatsoever, and then. Like I said, the offensive wise, and then and they they limited offensively because anytime you have a, a system where you rely mainly on tight ends and not wide receivers, you're definitely gonna limit it. Because as good as tight ends are, gotten better over the years, most tight ends aren't good enough to um, like really dominate a game. That's why when you see a, a team like a Stanford or certain teams who rely on those those things. They can't really dominate a game like that. You know what I mean? They can make a few plays to keep you in it, but they can't dominate a game. And so I think that's the that's the biggest issue when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to that um, or whatever. But, you know, kudos to Alabama. They're back in their spot, you know what I mean, back at number one more than likely today. I think that while I was looking at it a few minutes ago, they said Alabama be number one. Um I think uh, uh, Michigan will be number two, Georgia three, and Cincinnati four. And I'm happy for Cincinnati because I think they deserved it. Um, I talked about this earlier this season. Uh, this is my first kiss. Hi, how you doing, sir? I can't hear you. 
turn your volume up. No, I can't hear you. I can't. Okay. Okay, we'll get him on here in a second. <laughs> See if we can get him going. But yeah, um, and then the next, the other game, man, like Michigan, they they um uh, they really impressed me in the way they played against Iowa because you know, sometimes you can have a letdown game. Michigan finally beat Ohio State for like the first time in about eight, nine years. So they could have came in this game feeling like, you know, kind of like you falling on their morals or laurels of thinking, okay, we beat we beat the we beat our, our arch nemesis, we beat our demons, we beat our whatever you want to call it, you know, Michigan, Ohio State. Like Georgia could overcome their demons of beating Alabama. And at the same time, you know, it was kind of like chicken baby. Uh, it's like at the end of the day, uh, you know, Michigan finally beat their their, you know, what was L and M when that was, you know, uh that was Ohio State, and they beat them in impressive fashion. You could just tell by watching that game last week. Like Michigan pulled out all the stops, all the trick plays, every time, everything that was in the, in 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 the playbook. They used it, and I and I give them credit for that. You know what I'm saying? So John Jim Harbaugh finally overcame that, whatever. But I think Michigan yesterday they proved like yesterday that was a grind game. You play against team like Iowa, Iowa not gonna make it easy for you. And they beat they beat Iowa pretty impressively in that second half yesterday. So I think they they definitely deserve to be in the Final Four. Uh, as far as uh, Cincinnati goes, Cincinnati been dominating all year long. They have a lot of speed. They have a great quarterback. Um, can they beat Alabama? Probably not. But I will say this: Rob, what's his name? Robert Meacham, the wide receiver for Georgia for Alabama, did tear, I think towards ACL yesterday. I think so. He's out for the championship for the championship for the playoffs. So that may kind of they may kind of like even up the score a little bit. Because I don't think dang sure I don't think Cincinnati would have had a chance to stop Williams and Meacham out on them outside, on the outside. Um, but I think now they may have a puncher's chance to a certain degree, or whatever. Um, because it was kind of funny. Um, they were saying during the game, the Cincinnati game, they said that uh, yesterday they were saying that Cincinnati was a type of team they were kind of built for teams like. Alabama or Georgia or whatever because of the fact or Michigan because they play better when it's a when it's harder competition. They actually struggle when they play against teams that use like trickery to try to beat them. I mean, Houston was trying to use a lot of trick plays and or using trying to gadget plays and trying to do different stuff and being cute because they knew they really wasn't talented enough to beat Cincinnati. That's why early on Cincinnati was struggling on the defensive end trying to stop Houston because Houston was throwing all kind of wrenches in the kitchen sink in there trying to trying to slow them, trying to score, get the ball down the field and whatever. And then once Cincinnati kind of got their footing and kind of realized what was going on, they, they got right. They got right. So, okay, let me see if this is him right here. Back on. Hello? Hello? What's going on? Yeah, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So everybody, this is Jeremy Jackson, uh, 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 JUCO coach and semi-pro football coach. And that's correct, right? That's correct. That's correct. Okay. So Um, right now I'm. You what now? 
Uh, right now, I'm currently the head coach of the Carolina Mountain Lions Junior College Program that's okay. uh, located up in the upstate area and also the Asheville area. Okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. Because I actually got a uh, uh, some way you can say nephew almost like he plays Juco football. I think he plays down in the he plays down in maybe the Fedville or Sanford area, I think, one of the teams down in that area. So um, okay. I know they just made a champ. I think they I just they think they made a championship game too, because their their championship game is in, I think, in Baltimore or somewhere, I think it is. Uh, I think coming up. Yeah, there are there are a few different junior college pro uh, you know, conferences. Um the program that the conference that we're actually in is the NIAA. Um, it's probably one of the biggest junior college uh, conferences in the country. Um, yeah. You have teams ranging all the way from California all the way down to Florida. Yeah. Well, this was, I think this is his, uh, this is a semi pro football team. So this is a semi pro okay. football team that just made okay. that, that championship. But yeah, I get it. So, so basically, sir, how, how did you, so what's your background? So did you play football in high school and middle school and things like that? Yes, sir. Well, I, um, I started when I was really little. Um, my stepfather uh, coached me when I was in the elementary and I moved up to Fairfield Middle School where I played my middle school game. Um, I transferred to Ridgeview High School in Columbia, South Carolina. is where I played my high school ball at for Raymond Jennings. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's at Lugolf Elgin, no, West Florence now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and from there, uh, <clears throat> tore my ACL um, in my senior year. And I always knew that I wanted to coach. So I knew that was going to be a career path for me. Um, but, you know, it took a little longer to start the process. And it's, we're still working on the process. Um, okay. So right now, yeah, I always knew I wanted to coach. Didn't know it was going to happen this fast. But I'm yeah. thankful for the opportunity that I have right now. Okay, okay, okay. So what, what position did you play in in um when you played football? Uh believe it or not, um as slender I as I am right now, I played center. Um really in high school. Yes, sir. I was <laughs> six two pushing three forty five, maybe. Oh, okay, okay. So you 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 lost a lot of weight then. Yeah, yeah, lost a lot of weight. You know, when after I took race here, that's why I, a lot of my players now, I coach to them to mental game of the of football. Um, the mental aspect of the game is way bigger than the physical. And that part that I felt like then I didn't have. And maybe if I had more coaches to stress that to me, you know, maybe I probably would have been further. So now I stress that to my guys every day, you know, um, 100% mental, just 1% physical. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so, um, when you got into, so which one did you get in first? Did you get into semi-pro football? Did you get in Juco? Which one did you get into first? And you coach both of them at the same time? Like, well, actually, yeah. So actually it started, um, I coached youth football. Um, I played for, I coached for a really historical, uh, youth program. Hello. How you doing? Hey, how are you? Yeah, this is my co-host Crystal, aka C Murder. <laughs> so, uh, whatever. Murder. <laughs> uh, 
so yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get to you, sir. I'm sorry. Oh no, it's fine. Uh, so uh, yeah, I actually started with um, coaching a youth program in Spartanburg. Um, uh, really historical program, Spartanburg Gators. I've been around for over 20 years. Um, and that's where I kind of got my roots started in coaching. Um, and then it just moved on from there. Um, I, after about four years, five years of youth, I moved on, on to semi-pros and I started coaching semi-pros and, you know, got, you know, fun of the system of semi-pros and making it into the playoffs, making it into a t championship game. And, so you know, hold on, just, hold on. So, so, so uh, how did just just to kind of walk people through to get an understanding? How do you mm -hmm. go from youth football to 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 like semi? Do you get what did did somebody see you and say we like what he's you doing? Is it something that like how how did that process work? You know what I'm saying to go from that to that. So, in and especially, I tell a lot of people if you know anything about the upstate, they are very passionate about their football. And it's really hard to – I wasn't from Spartanburg. I moved there um, uh, in my adult age with my kids and got into youth football. And as I got into the community of football in the area, my name would start to grow a little bit. And um, a lot of people would ask me, you know, I, I coached the offensive side of the um, ball. So they, they you know, kind of like my style. And, you know, they asked me to come out and help them. And I said, why not? You know, I'm always looking for a challenge. And it was a challenge for me. Um, but, you know, I overlooked some of the challenges, got through a, a lot of the challenges, and we pushed forward. And just people knowing me, basically, in the community um, that actually uh, coach, well, they coach at youth, but play semis. And, you know, thought that I might have been a good fit for them to help them on their offensive side. Um, so to take a take an offense that went from averaging only maybe two touchdowns a game to averaging 35 points a game. So um, yeah, we really turned that program around. Um, went from two and eight to eight and two. Um, my first year as a coordinator there for the Upstate Gamecocks. They're now called the, the uh, Carolina Hornets. Okay. okay. So how? So so to turn a program around that quick, or whatever. What what elements or what ingredients do you have to have? What are you looking for? So because did you have to go out and basically like rebuild the team, or did you just inspire the players that were there? So and, and get put in bringing a new system. What did you feel like you did, or y'all did as coaching staff differently to turn the, the team around? Well, um, the one thing that they actually really wanted me to come in and do is recruit. Um, I hang my hat on being a recruiter, uh, being able to bring in young men, um, young student athletes or athletes that understand or have the same mindset as I do and the coaching staff. Um, if you're not on one page, it's not going to work. And they have to buy in, you know. You can give them a lot of goods, but they don't mean they're gonna uh, they're gonna take. So they, if they see that you're passionate about it and you love your system, they start to see that okay, we can do this. And 
you know, me recruiting some guys, um, bringing them into the program, bringing some more younger talent in, mixing with the veterans that we had. Um, it was a good jail. And it took a whole offseason, whole offseason to get that offense up and running and the team up and running the way we wanted to. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't easy. You know, a lot of the veterans have to get used to the rookies that are trying to make a name for, for themselves. I can never forget that first season. Um, one of my one of my players I recruited, Justin, um, Justin Wright. Uh, he came out and he was a slot. He's a slot receiver, and he was he's really fast. We call him Speedy, and gosh, um, Justin probably runs like a four 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 five, and. When we got him out there on the field, you know, he's he's cocky. He's very confident. And, you know, with veterans, they're not going to – they're not too fond of a young man, you know, being bragful and boasting about how good they are. But he backed it up on the field, and that's one thing he, he earned their credit, their respect with, you know. Um, they have to earn each other respect and start to know that this is not a team, but I always preach family. Um, family is first. So if your family is first, you're going to put your team with your family. And that's how we look at we're a family. Okay. So, so on the flip side of that, because when you are doing like semi-pro football or whatever, some of these players probably feel rejected because they didn't make it to the NFL. So how, how, how was it those players that came in that probably lacked the confidence that they could play at that level because they missed out on the op the ultimate opportunity. So what was the what was it dealing with those type of players that might have lacked in confidence a little bit? Well, I, I, I <clears throat> for me, I think the reason why it fit me so well to coach semi pros is because um, simply because you know I'm an underdog person. I I love going for the underdog you know, pushing for the underdog and rooting for them. Um, you know, Cincinnati, I'm rooting for them. You know, that's an underdog to me. Mm -hmm. um, so I I love that they have that that chip on their shoulder that you overlook me. And with that, a lot of people start to get overlooked. You know, they overlook the measurements. They overlook how short you are. They look overlook how big you are. When you put that chip on your shoulder, it just adds another niche in your belt to say, I can do just as good as that person that you picked over me. And you take that and run with it. And, and you make it a statement in your game saying that you're going to be different. You know, you have to stand out. You have to figure out what's going to be your niche and you have to run with it. So, yeah, that's why a lot of those guys that come in and, and ready to, um, you know, make a name for themselves because someone's overlooked them, you know, and a lot of that, a lot of that's happening in college football and Juco and NFL pros. That's, it's one of the biggest things that is going on today. Okay. Have y'all had any players um, transition to the NFL or whatever, or go, go from Juco to a, a, a major college program? Well, I've had a few guys not go to the NFL, but actually went and played overseas. Um, I had a, a guy play in Mexico. Um, one guy play in Puerto Rico. 
Um, so, you know, those are great opportunities are starting to come up for a lot of guys that might not be able to make it to Canada or NFL. You know, you can go play for a Europe League, a European team. You know, they're all popping up now and they're paying. So, you know, it's not about um, where you are, it's what you're getting, where you're at. So, um, if they're giving you the opportunity and you're making six figures and they're giving you a stipend and giving you a place to stay, you know, those opportunities, you know, you don't pass up. And a lot of those guys, seeing the opportunity that they have in front of them, took advantage of it. Um, so, if you put the work in, and you producing great film, they will see you. You know, they will give you opportunity. Okay. So, Crystal, you got any questions? I don't, because I missed the beginning, and I don't want to. You might have to repeat something. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So, um. So you say y'all y'all about to be in the championship game now, right? Y'all in y'all in the championship. Well, actually. Um, my semi-pro season is over. Uh, the semi-pro season was over. That was our pre previous year that I was with them. Um, right now, we are actually, my staff, um, we're actually focused on junior college right now. Um, okay. Our junior college season is starting in uh, March the 6th. So we, we, we hit the field in January the 10th. So we start practice January 10th. Um, and right now, we're just, right now, we're recruiting and um, getting our roster together. Okay, so, okay, that, that, that okay, that's different, because I, ne I never knew that junior college started like at a different season, time of the year than regular college football. So why, why is that? Why, well, why, why? <laughs> well, usually we have a fall, and we will have a fall, uh, but due to the pandemic, um, we had to basically give a spring. So sim sim Similar to what the NCAA did, though the Power Five this past season, where they had only a conference, you know, they only played a conference, and that was it. We're doing the same similar deal with the NIAA this spring, and then we'll work our way into the fall. Okay, okay, okay. So, because it's kind of, I'm kind of glad I I brought you on here this morning because basically, I don't know how much Jacob was telling you about what we do. But this show is basically predicated mm -hmm. on underdogs. And so your programs are oh. underdog programs. You know what I'm saying? As far as JUCO schools, semi-pro schools, I mean, uh, semi-pro football, th those are all the epitome of what you would call underdogs um, or whatever. And Correct. so the thing about it, I think is if we ever can be um, basically – um, somebody y'all can promote through. Y'all want to send other players for interviews. Um, eventually, we know we're trying to get this thing where we can be mobile and be at these games um, or whatever to, to, to put a spotlight on it. Anything we can kind of do to kind of help and and kind of put put a spotlight on these players and the coaches because the thing about it is somebody like yourself. I mean, I don't know what your goals and stuff are, so that's one of the things. What's your what's your I mean, I know you might not want to say too much, but as far as like if you wanted to be on another level, if your goal, if you're because, you know, you might not want to know if you want to piss off your players or whatever. But it is your goal to eventually maybe make it to the NFL as a coach or on a, on a staff or college football on a major level on the staff or whatever. 
Well, as as a coach, um, you know, like I tell my players, you you have to do what's best for you, and um, and when you coach, you you start knowing what type of coach you are, what what you'll do, and how far you go, and um, I know how passionate I am about college athletes, you know, helping and make sure they get uh, to the next level. And pros really don't fit me too well. Um, but college is right at that that sweet spot. You know, I can be able to help a lot of communities, um, a lot of individuals that might not be seen and being able to give them a platform in order to show their talents. And that's where I get, you know, nothing about money. You know, that, that makes my day. Now, don't get me wrong, I definitely – you know, want to be able to get the big bucks like, you know, the big coaches. But um, the biggest I would love to go is to be an HBCU head coach, you know, eventually um, and turn around a program. You know, I, yeah. I pride myself on building and I would love to build one of these programs that, you know, a lot of people overlook. Well, it's kind of funny you said that because, you know, just yesterday we seen, you know, I mean, that's the ultimate coach, but we've seen Prime, you know what I'm saying, uh, right. win a championship in his, what, second year at Jackson State, and that's huge for him to turn that program around that quick, and they went 10-1 and one and, went and won a championship. And in fact, due to, especially due to the fact that I think he wasn't even there to coach it, so that lets you know he instilled in his coaching staff the confidence in his players for them to win that championship, and he, he couldn't be in attendance because of the, uh, I think the foot surgery or something that he had. Or whatever so um and and, and, I, and I and i tell people you know there are two different type of coaches um you have a family-oriented coach that cares about his team and cares about you know his legacy what he leaves behind and then you have these other coaches that are corporate coaches mm -hmm. um it's yeah. all about business you know um if you ain't producing for me next man up you know, a lot of coaches like that, they don't take the time to figure out, you know, why this running back isn't doing as well as he used to. Or why is he isn't getting me these four yards, five yards to carry this this year? What's going on? They don't they won't take the time and say, Hey, let's talk. Let's figure out what's going on. They just, you know, next man up. Um, and we see it, especially in college football today, with the NIL. You know, big time coaches leaving guys that they've said they're gonna stick around for four mm -hmm. years and five years. I'm gonna be here. You know, we we've seen it, Lincoln Riley's, the, the Kelly's. You know, it's happening now. So I take a lot of pride in wanting to. Uh, when I tell a guy I'm here, I'm here for you. You know, and all my guys know if that time ever was to come, they will be the first to know um, that coach are leaving or moving to a better you know situation. So I take a lot of pride in um, telling young men the truth. You know, it's funny you say that. It's because I just, I think, I don't know, we talked about this other night, Crystal, or not, I can't remember. I, I know I said said it to somebody or something, some kind of format. But mm -hmm. I actually think that, I, I think I might have been telling Jacob this. I said, I don't think that college coaches should be able to, I don't think that the other teams should be able to recruit or to take pull you away from your program in the middle of the season or before the season officially over with. This Lincoln Riley, we think we were talking about this other night. Lincoln Riley and this Brian Kelly situation. 
to me is a hot mess because, you know, up until like, okay, last night, Brian Kelly and Notre Dame had a legitimate chance to get into the final four. Um, and when you have players who these young men, young to put it like this, especially us as black young men, we have a hard time trusting anyway. And then when a, when a, when a, you know, not just not to be funny, whether we're not making us a white and black thing, but when a white man comes into your, and you sit down on your couch with your mother, your grandmother, your father, your uncle, and tell you, oh, I got your son, have him come to my program. And then before I even make it to, 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 to the, to the program, you leave, you know what I'm saying? Or once I get there and I get acclimated and I may start to build up a trust for you as being my coach. Most of these coaches, as you know, sometimes are like father figures or big brothers or uncles or whatever. So at the end of the day, when you just leave the way these coaches are leaving, it leaves a bad taste in these players' mouths. And then it's like, it'd be like, it'd almost be like if a player could say like in college football that like they're doing the NFL or NBA, oh, trade me in midseason. Then it would be chaos. So I think at the end of the day, they need to come up with a better system of just like they do in any, any major sport. If you want to talk to this coach, you got to get to wait to the end of the year, and then you got to get permission. You can't just come in and in the in the in the, in the in the like a thief in the night and steal a coach from a program. So, what's your thoughts on that? Well, my, how I feel about it is, it's it's, it's not going to get no better now. Um, it was a chance of it getting better, um, but with the NIL deal um, going on with college football. It's really going to be hard to change that. It's going to take personalities and knowing what a program is looking for. Um, and I, I'll say this. I was looking at uh, Brian's Kelly team interview with LSU. It was his first interview, his first time meeting with the team. And he said something. If I was at Notre Dame and I was on that staff, I would really want to see you in the playoffs next year, you know, uh, because he said something to the LSU team that really threw me back. And he said, I choose, I chose, I don't want to misquote him, but it was something close to this. He said, I chose L to come to LSU because I wanted to coach the best and to be at one of the best programs in the nation. Yeah. You mm -hmm. were at one of the most historical programs in the nation. Right. Independently. Yeah. And wealth <laughs> programs yeah, exactly. in the nation. Um, you, you just had a lot more red tape than most because they right. have a higher standard of getting guys in school. LSU doesn't have that high standard. So now he can go get everybody that he had on yeah. his board at Notre Dame. And don't have to give them that 3.0 or 3.2 GPA to get in. So, right. you know, instead of being honest and saying, "Hey guys, this, this, these standards is just too high for me," but I still want to be at one of the best programs, I, I just can't do it here. You know, I would rather a coach tell me that and be like, "I'm out." You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, when you come to parents when you like you were saying you was touching on when you come to a parent's home and you know how like out of all the d1 coaches and they they throw you these offers or they throw you these interest letters 
you have a mailbox full of them. Now, for a young man to pick you as one of the guys that he does an in-home house visit to, that's mm -hmm. big. So mm -hmm. for you to take that opportunity and not become a coach but a jinky car salesman, um, that that does something to me. You know, that it it's it puts a light on coaches like Luke Fickle at at Cincinnati, you know. Mm -hmm how he cares about his, his players. You know, you know how many people are coming after this guy at Cincinnati to be the head coach at their programs, throwing millions of dollars mm -hmm. at him to leave Cincinnati. But he's true to his team. He's passionate about what he has going on, and he doesn't care about the outside noise. He's just worried about winning that Final Four or getting into the Final Four and winning that national championship. And that's what you should be focused on, especially after you didn't talk to these parents and gave them their, you know, your word to say that you're going to watch their son. You're going to love them just as much as you love them, you know. Mm -hmm. And that that says a lot about a man's character to just bounce like that on kids. I just don't like it. Yeah. Um. So, because my because my thing is this is that, like I was just telling telling Crystal this other night was that. Brian Kelly, it, you know, his background is, I think he's from like the Boston area. He's from, from up that way near the, you know, up in that area, near the Indiana area and in, in that, in that kind of like world. And for him to go from, and they were talking about this the other day on one of the sports shows, for him to go from that down to the South and the personality clashes like is very different. You know what I mean? Cause we already know a down South country mama, grandma, in the south especially in baton rouge and down there in texas and you know how that is and you dealing with this up this northerner who coming down yeah, like you said, maybe talking to you like a car salesman that ain't gonna bowl too well you know what i'm saying because right. she's gonna be like you don't you don't understand our culture you don't understand how we think down here and i don't know recruiting wise if that's and that's it's gonna really help him and i don't think i mean you you as a recruiter let me ask you this you as a recruiter that you come from that world also and what I'm saying, does it make sense or does it resonate with you and what I'm saying? Yeah, it does. It does. Um, and the coaches <clears throat> that can hop from one area to the area, because usually how they break down your recruiting and how you are chose a certain area to recruit, not unless you're the head coach, um, it's based upon your where you come from, you know, or your roots or your roots, as we say. Um, if you're born and raised, like for example, Shane Beamer, uh, the head coach at USC right now, he was in Oklahoma just a year ago, right? And was out there for about four or five years, I'm not, I'm not mistaken. He didn't recruit Oklahoma. He recruit, recruited the DC area, the Eastern coast where he was from, Charleston, South Carolina is where he's from. You know, he has a lot of roots in Virginia. So it made sense for him to recruit that area because of the people and the connections that he has in the area. Now, for him to go recruit, you know, California wouldn't make sense, you know. And for a coach that leave an area like Notre Dame um, and to come down to LSU, you know, your recruiting method is going to change altogether. Um, you, if you're in Notre Dame, you go into a house – and you're coming to speak to a mom, 
you know, you're going to pride yourself on the prestige of the, of the, of the school, you know, what comes out of there, you know, the degree itself will get you any job you basically want put in football to the side. Um, so those are the things that can come to a lot of young men, snatch a lot of guys that have high GPAs that are going to Stanford and to Vanderbilt um, and the, and the Cal Polys, the ones that are going to those schools, they can snatch the great athletes out of those because they can recruit those guys to come there because they need to, they have to in order to compete. And like I say now um, with him at LSU, he has to change his whole way of, you know, um, going into a house. He can have the, he can take the LSU brand and say, we're about winning now. And everybody wants to be behind a winner. You know, that's one mm -hmm. thing about coaches. They, they want to come before a winner. And it's really hard um, to turn a program around that's not winning. Um, different than like an LSU. So that's why he can come in there, get paid $100 million for eight years, I think. Yeah, And yeah. hit the road recruiting with a jet and say, hey, LSU, we're LSU. That's, that's all you got to say now. We LSU. You know, mm -hmm. the brand alone is still mm -hmm. staying on. So um, it's a lot different. And, you know, being a recruiter, you can't just go in somebody's house and just, you know, shoot them a bunch of bull crap. You got to be honest with them, you know, and tell them what what's the real deal. That's what makes Nick Saban Nick Saban. Regardless of all the championships, the man ain't changed. He's still him. He's still really honest. You know, how how often do we see somebody leave Alabama and go to the transfer portal. <laughs> Very seldom. <laughs> Not too often. Very seldom. Because they 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 trust him. You know, yeah. it's not the school they trust saving. You know, so mm -hmm. once you get that built like that, which is very rare, man, it's, it, it takes a lot of work to build a program like that. And I agree too, because I it's kind of funny because I'm always I'm intrigued now to see like when Nick Saban leaves Alabama. And, you know, not to be funny, but Tuscaloosa ain't one of them places that you really want to live in. You know what I mean? Especially in those four years. Right. So <laughs> I, I always wonder, like, when he leave, I, how, if they gonna, how much they're going to suffer. Because like you said, it's not really so much about Alabama, the brand, as much as it is about Nick Saban, the coach. You know what I mean? Um, you know, just like, you know, Duke and, you know, how how is it going to transition from Coach K finally leaving and, how people gonna really wanna really go to Duke and Duke has high academic standards like a like a Notre Dame does. Maybe not as high, but they're in the ballpark. So you know what I'm saying? So right. how's that gonna transition when it comes to that kind of thing too? So we it, it, it remains to be seen, man. But like I said, man, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I, I give everybody like your social medias and stuff like that. Um, um, as far as like how they can follow you, how they can follow the team going into the the winter season, how we can follow the team because, um, um, yeah, Crystal, my co host okay. here, be quiet, but she is she's our statisticians, <laughs> you know, since she follows, like, she, you know, what I'm saying, you sure you don't have no questions because I know normally she had one of them, them questions that you know, them, them ball come out the ballpark out of the woodwork questions. So, <laughs> you don't got no questions because yeah, I know you, any you, question got, you, have. you got some kind of stat question, I know you do. No, no, I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. So, yeah. But so, how can we follow you and follow the team moving forward? 
Well, um, you can follow us on Twitter on NIAA, at NIAA. You can follow me on Twitter, Coach J. Um, of the, I think it's Coach J of the Mountain Lions now. Oh, the Lions. Coach J of the Mountain Lions. Um, and I'm on Facebook, Jeremy V. Jackson. Um, okay, Mrs. Got our big emblem up there. It says Carolina Mountain Lions. Um, and you can follow him. He's the commissioner of the NIAA. Um, and okay. it's at Coach Richard Richardson on Twitter. Um, so, yeah, our season, like I was saying, our season starts March 6th. Uh, we would love to have y'all guys come out, um, maybe broadcast mm-hmm. it, you know, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we would love to have us on play-by-play maybe. You never know. Uh, we we love to build relationships and partnerships. Um, you know, NIAA is all about, you know, building relationships. And Coach Richardson has done a marvelous job um, building this program, and we're still building. Um, and so we would love to have y'all guys, you know, be a part of that. And um, like you said, underdog. Uh, yeah, because we underdogs too, so we all underdogs <laughs> together. You know what I'm saying? So, yes, sir. Yeah. Got to work together. <laughs> so before you get out of here, you said you had sons, right? So do they play football? Well, I have uh, a son. I have a oh, son. Okay. He's four. He'll be five oh, okay. so next year. But he's actually okay. going to be playing six U. Um, so he's pretty big. He's pretty big boy. He, he's four. He looks six. So <laughs> uh, his mom is six too. So yeah. Oh wow! Oh uh, wow! Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I appreciate you coming on, brother. We're gonna keep in touch or whatever. And then, like I said, um, come that March season, man, we looking forward to maybe coming out to some games, man, and and continue to grow and help y'all grow this thing and and you know what I'm saying and promote y'all the best way we can. Appreciate you having me on. And anytime you want me back on to talk some football, talk some coaching, I'm definitely in, all in. Well, before you get out of here, who, who you got? Uh, okay, because I'm kind of, it kind of already set. So as far as the Final Four is concerned, because um, I really, the way they're saying this is going to be Alabama, Cincinnati, Michigan, and Georgia. So who you got pulling it out in the end? Oh, man. Um, if they if the lineup stays the way it is right now, I'm saying I, I've i said it on this show right now. You know, um, I already called the upset. I told everybody that if Alabama took an L before the SEC championship, that'll be the worst thing happened for Georgia, and it proved right. Um, and I'll say this: Alabama is very suspect. <laughs> And that's even being, you know, Alabama. So I'm going to call it right now, Cincinnati for the upset. They beat Alabama by three. Um, and they move on to the second round. They play Michigan. Well, I mean, Mitch, Meacham is out with the ACL, so that, that kind of evens the playing field a little bit. The other second receiver is out, so that might that might give them a puncher chance. So we'll see. We'll see. But like I said, I appreciate you coming on, brother, and we will stay in contact. And, and I tell Oh, I was just going to say, I tell people, you know, Coach Fickle over there at Cincinnati, he's the guy. I'm, that offense is amazing. Um, you know, I've been to one of his coaching clinics, and the guy's amazing. So that's how oh, I okay. said, you know, watch out for their offense. 
Okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, definitely gonna watch out. I hope I, I actually hope they do. I am an underdog fan, so and, and Crystal would tell you I've been fighting for I've been fighting for Cincinnati all season. So I was like early in the game, yes, I said, please don't mess this up because I've, <laughs> I've, been, I've been fighting for y'all all season. It was a little shaky at the beginning. Yeah, but it was funny because it was funny because I think midway, like around about the, the end of the second quarter, maybe beginning of the third. I remember the the, the uh, broadcasters were saying that how Houston was using a lot of like, like trick and like pony and circus tricks and doing like little different things trying to throw Cincinnati off. And Cincinnati kind of had to get their bearings back and figure out what was going on because they was actually saying, and this was funny that you say that because they was actually saying that Cincinnati is more built for the play of Michigan or Georgia, Alabama, because those teams going to play you straight up. They was like when they struggle is because teams like a Houston are try to do all this trickery stuff to try to throw them off. And it takes them a little time to figure it out. Whereas Alabama, you know, Alabama is going to do what they do. Georgia going to do what they do. You know what I mean? That's so, right. Yeah. That's correct. Um, you know, Alabama is going to line up and man, they're going to man you up and, you know, mano and mano because they have the talent to do it. Um, and like you say, Cincinnati, uh, and that's in that game against Houston. You know, they had this young guy. Houston has this young guy named Tank. They call him nickname Tank. Mm. And they basically was just putting him all over the field. You know, they had formations out there I have never seen. I watch Houston, um, and I've <laughs> never seen half of those formations <laughs> that they put out there. Um, it, it seemed like they changed their whole offense based upon that game. And um, that might have hurt them a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do what you do, and that, that's do what got you there. And you know, it proved Alabama did it. Um, you know, Georgia didn't do what got them there, to be honest, and that's why mm-hmm. they lost that game. So, I really see Cincinnati um, playing against Michigan, and you know, a lot of people look across, look past their defense, and you know, they're a bend don't break defense. And hey, if it's working. You know, roll with it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I do feel like Stenum is limited. Like Stenum, Stenum mm-hmm. as a as a they Georgia are. quarterback is limited. And um, it's funny because me and Jacob had this argument because he a Cowboy fan, and I'm a Washington Redskins fan. So I oh, tell yeah. him he always like, why Tyler Haneke? Yeah, what what's up with him? Why he can't play like you know that Prescott? Da da. Or these top now. I said first of all, he can't play ten million. That Prescott getting paid seventy five million. So he don't have to play that way. He just got to <laughs> hold the fort down. But well, I did compare Stenham right. to Hannah because both of them are smaller quarterbacks. They're limited. They they can make plays with their legs and make some of these, you know, all wild plays at times, but they're limited. And then you seen it yesterday when, when mm-hmm. he was going against a real team because Alabama is the closest thing to an NFL roster most of the time. So when you go against a team like that, they gonna, you gonna, they're going to show you who you really are. And they showed Stenum that he was limited yeah. in who what he can do. That's why I said even if they played again in the championship game, I still don't think Georgia could beat Alabama. You know what I'm saying? I just don't, especially when the defense no. could not do anything with Alabama's wide receivers at all. You know what I'm saying? They could not stop them a little. They bit. couldn't do anything. So yeah, Young got and, and, and it was so crazy. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't have all day to throw, and that's one thing he learned really fast in that game um and you know i told everybody you know if you stop georgia's running game that's kind of it 
you know, if you can hold them to 100 yards, 150 yards in a game, you probably will beat Georgia. Um, and they're just one of those teams, you know, if I'm not mistaken, I love stats too. Um, if I think Georgia has ran for over every game, they've ran for over 230 yards. They're like 30 and 0 mm-hmm. or something. So they have, you know, these coaches look at those things and they make sure, you know, certain things are done in practice to make sure those stats stay consistent. And you slow down their running game, you got Georgia in the bag. Don't get, don't get me wrong. I love their quarterback, Georgia's quarterback, because he he's one of us. He's an underdog. He was a walk-on quarterback, came out there and beat out five stars. So, mm-hmm. you know, give him give him credit where his credit's due, but he yeah. just couldn't do it against that NFL defense, you know. I was kind of I was kind of wondering, like I was I was like when when George Pickens made the play early in the game, I'm like, why why he's not out? Is he still like hurting? Or I mean, I, or, they, or they would they just throw him out there kind of on a political thing, like just to show like that he's still he's good enough to for y'all to still recruit him. I mean, to to draft him later on. I'm like, I didn't get the whole point of putting him out there for like one play, and that was it. I didn't understand it either. Uh, I don't know if they was doing it for a decor purposes um but it really didn't make no sense to keep him out there it really didn't um but he's a hell of a hell of a athlete really is yeah because they could have used him because the thing about with georgia and i you know their top receiver is a tight end and anytime in college football when your top receiver is a tight end you always going to be limited you know what i mean like i don't care good i don't care how good your tight end is if you don't have no, if you don't have no a wide receiver that can take the top off, you know what I'm saying. At some point throughout the game, it's gonna hurt you. You know what I mean? Because all they all they gonna right. do is break. Was- Go ahead. And, and that's what I was gonna say. Uh, you know, you can like you say they, if you got two tight ends that's six six, you know, athletic, you know. But if you don't got that outside um, receiver, like you said, take the top off. Um, it's going to be very, really hard for you to be able to work your tight end down the seams. You know, you got to open up your offense and give him space because he's a big guy. You know, you got to give him space. Not unless he's a jump ball type guy. You know, he can go and get it, give you 50-50 chance on the balls. And, and you know, it's kind of hard to find those type tight ends nowadays. Um, yeah, not unless yeah. they're, you have your types like, um, you know, that can play wide receiver and tight end, those flex type players. Like Pitts. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Right, yeah. correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. hmm Yeah, yeah. So but anyway, like I said, brother, I appreciate you coming on. Um we're gonna have you back on here. But you know what? We what I like to do because you know, especially when your season comes back around, we definitely have you come back on here. Maybe even have you bring one of your players with you, you know what I'm saying, or whatever on here and then kind of rev up for that season. So you know, when we do bring you back um, right before the season starts, um, you know, because, um, you know, we, we can definitely bring you back on one of your players and, and you know, spot, spotlight y'all together right before maybe that first game or whatever. You know what I mean? And we'll do it that way. And we'll I'm going to go more. ahead and give you his name. Okay. So you already got one in mind. Now because I'm okay. Gonna go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and shout him out right now because he's, he's one of my hardest working players. Hardest working players. If I really told you kind of like his background and this team background that we, I just became the head coach of this Juco, if I told you, you know, all of it, we can talk about it later, but 
Um, he's a hardworking running back. He's five, five nine, five ten, um, blazing speed, speed, um, and will bowl you over. Uh, he's just one of those workhorses that a lot of people overlook because of his size. And I'm telling you, when you when you see him on the film and you hear his attitude, his mentality, you're gonna say why nobody's picked this kid up. So. Um, Malik Williams is, Malik is Williams. one of my best athletes. So, 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 as most of these, as most of these players, like I know you talk about how athletic they are and how good they are. So, a lot of these players is is it because of maybe because of academics? Uh, is this why they like, like they limited in, in their chances because of the academic part or something happened like off the field? Is it is that more like more the, the reasons why some of these players are not Man. on these major situations? Man, if I told you this, this would take a whole nother show. Um, <laughs> uh, well, well, we um, we definitely have to bring you back for a second with it, huh? But you know, the short the short version is a lot of the times these guys come from programs, and especially in the upstate, um, they come from big programs, big programs. Your Spartanburgs, your Gaffneys, you know, um, your Dormans. Um, so you're talking about seven burns. You're talking about 70, 75, 80 people on a roster. So if a guy in front of you, uh, you know, if you, you're running back, you know, y'all might have just about the same speed. But if he's, you're 5'9", five, 5'8", five, and he's 6'1", six, 6' six yeah, you kind of get overlooked. And so they deal with that for four years, you know, sometimes. And they have the, they play mop up duty, so if you're not getting the film and you're not on the field, you're not going to get the looks that you need. And a lot of the young men fall into to those categories, where they have somebody in front of them that may be just a little taller, a little faster, you know, and they don't get as much time that, that they need on film to be able to get recruited. So it's you know right now JUCOs is what you really want right now. Um, because the transfer portal has really made it even worse for seniors because mm-hmm. now these coaches don't want a fresh out of guy high school. They want a guy that has some college experience and the portal yeah. is sitting right there. So wh- who would you take the, the the young guy that you got to mold or the guy that you just needs a new start? But, you know, it's kind of funny you say that because a lot of coaches frown and they and they and they don't like the transfer portal because it's almost like a trade system where not necessarily a trade, but where a player can like up and leave and go somewhere else. Like take for instance, if I'm if I'm at Alabama or Georgia, and let's say you know most of these schools they recruit three three five star quarterbacks at one time. They might have three freshmen coming in, all of them five star. So once you get beat out, you like forget this. I'm not about to sit around here for with these other three freshmen for the next three four years. I'm out. You know what I'm saying? And that's what you're seeing more of that, of players just saying, well, I'm not about to sit around and try to – because whatever reason, these players nowadays, some of them don't want to – they don't want to compete for the spot. They want the spot to be given to them. And when it's not, they like, I just go somewhere else or whatever, you know what I'm saying, and get another chance, you know, or, or whatever, or another chance somewhere else. Well, what, what quarterback is it? Is it now? Um, they play like three different schools – before he even made it to the NFL, it wasn't it wasn't Baker Mayfield? I forgot, I can't remember. But it was one, it was a quarterback not too long ago who one of these major quarterbacks who, and matter of fact, in NFL now, 
who played at three different major schools before three different schools before he, you know, finally, I think it was might've been Burrow or somebody who, you know, was like that. So I was just like, you know, oh, Bur that, that's yeah, Burrow and Trubisky. Yeah. Burrow and Trubisky both were transfer portal guys. Um, and, and the thing about it is it's became the wild, wild west with the portal. And like we say, you know, it goes back to recruiting. It really does. And a, a lot of these guys, when they fall in love with these places, it's because the coaching came in there and, and gave them the rainbows and uh, unicorn, you know, show, you know, tell them all the great things about it. Instead of being honest and telling them, hey, we got two other guys we're recruiting as well. You know, okay. you're going to have to come in and compete. You yeah, know? yeah. And a lot of people are telling them, you know, well, we don't know, should we, you know, take that chance on a guy? You yeah. Know? They don't want to do that. They would rather say, hey, come on in. And we'll, we'll straighten it out from there instead of being like, you know, no. You know, we're going to go for who we want and we're going to tell the truth. You know, it all comes down to what you told them in the house. And that's why that transfer portal will be flying off the handles for the next two weeks, next three months, yeah. actually. Right. Oh, okay. Well, like I said, I appreciate you coming on, brother, and we'll be we'll stay in touch with you and get back with you very soon. All right, appreciate y'all. All right, thank you. What's going on? What's on, Rodney? How you doing? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. First of all, I want to apologize. Uh, yeah, about the school, about the misprint of the school name. Oh, you good? Yeah, so I want to do uh, do apologize for that. It's been a busy week for me. So my my me and my co-host been kind of he's not here today. He's under the weather, but he he's the one that does the flyers and stuff. And I gave him the information. Um, you know, kind of um mis misguided him on the information. But you know, at the end of the day, I'm glad you came on. Um, you know, um, it's kind of funny because you know, I, of course, I I graduated with your mother. Um, mm -hmm class of 94 so i kind of been kind of watching you from afar i watch all my classmates kids from afar so you know i've been probably watching your your rise and come up over, over the last couple of years um mm -hmm. you know in football so kind of let's start from the beginning how did you well what what age did you did you get into football uh i think i really wanted to play when i was like eight but i didn't really think i was uh big enough yet so I got into wrestling. I think I did wrestling for two years. So I started playing football when I was in fourth grade, into fourth grade. And uh, I guess I was about 10, 11 years old. I started playing for the uh, Sand Hills Patriots, uh, the local team around here. And uh, I just fell in love with the sport. Then I was always a football fan, but. I guess when I started really playing and really like probably the second year is when I fell in love with it because my first year I was okay, but I didn't really understand the sport. But when I came out that second year, that's really when I fell in love with it. Okay. Okay. So what, um, what was your first position that you played when you started playing football? Uh, first position was, for the Patriots, I was too heavy to uh, carry the ball, so I had to play O-line. 
So okay. I played, uh, I want to say it was right guard and nose guard. Okay, okay. So you always, you always, since a child, you always been kind of like a bigger kid. Yeah, yeah. I was always a bigger kid. Uh, never small, really. Okay. So um, were you dominating at that age, like in, in the Patriot League? Was you, was it, or did it take some time? Uh, it took about a year. So like my first year, I wasn't really dominating. I was good enough to play, but I don't even think it was more just good enough. I think I was just big enough that other kids couldn't move me. But my second year is really when I took my strides. So I played for the Patriots for four years, two years of JV and two years of varsity. And uh, I took I took major strides every year. Okay, okay. So you said you said the Sand Hill Patriots. So that's what, uh, so. Cause you, cause you play for Pinecrest, right? Yeah, but they so call them Sand- they call uh, they call them Sandhills now. No, the Sandhills Patriots is uh, the Pee Wee team around. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, what? Yeah. Okay, you threw me out. Okay, okay, all right. I was like, what? Okay, yeah. so you played in you played in two. So when you was ten, between ten and fourteen, or whatever, that was the the, the Sandhills Patriots. Yeah, then from fourteen on up, it was. 14 to, 14 to 17, I was at Pinecrest, yeah. Okay, got you, got you, got you. So what was the success level when you was with the Sandhill Patriots? What was the success level as far as the winning? Uh, As far as winning, I know um, I never lost a varsity game. So two years of varsity, we never lost a game. We won the championship back-to-back. We won uh, – my first year of JV, um, I want to say we won the Super Bowl. That's what it was called. It was called the Super Bowl, but it was a championship. And then my second year, we lost. So I think I only lost two games, maybe one game the whole time I played for the Patriots. I know the Patriots, uh, I think they got started up in 2009. And the varsity team didn't lose a game until 2015. Oh wow! And who, what, what, what? How far did the, the schedule as far as who y'all were playing? How, how, how far out the teams? Uh, how many y'all have to go to play teams? It was weird because we always did our tournaments in Charlotte, but it was other teams from other areas too. So like, it was a team called the Fayetteville Buccaneers. Um. And then we played some team from New Bern. Uh, and then Charlotte had, like, three teams. It was the Charlotte Vikings. And I forgot the other teams from Charlotte. I think it was – they had the Steelers, too. So, oh, okay. We played, okay. we played some pretty good teams. And um, we always did a tournament in Tennessee – in Knoxville every year in August, right before the season. Okay. okay. Yeah. So um when you got the Pine Crest, um, did you immediately play in um varsity or did you start freshman JV? How did that go when you first got the Pine Crest? When I got there, my coach told me I probably could have played varsity my freshman year, but I wouldn't have played the important games. I just didn't understand football to that level yet 
where I could have played in like the big games. Uh, I probably could have played in some of the games where we was blowing people out, but I played freshman football my first year. And then uh, sophomore year, I came in and I started sophomore year all the way. I think I earned the spot week five. I ended up getting the starting spot uh, over a junior um, my sophomore year, and then I started ever since at nose guard. Okay. I, I got to ask you a question before we move, uh, move on, because uh, I know uh, one of my uh, good friends and person I grew up with, Ron Shaw, Cole, Coach Cole, mm-hmm. he, he was coaching at the time, right, with the freshman yep. when you was there? Yeah. yeah so what yeah, kind so of he was my He was the freshman head coach. Oh, okay. So, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So that was my direct coach, like, my freshman year. Okay. So how is he? Because I know as kids, he was real intense at time. When we, you know, we were real competitive playing basketball, football, baseball. We all played, me, him, and his younger brother, Trayvon. We played on rec teams together. We played baseball on separate teams, played football. So how was how was he as a, as a coach? How, what did he, uh, what's the things he taught you? Being that you said that you didn't really understand football or uh, whatever as much. I mean, he was really the – he was the offensive uh, coordinator mainly, and I didn't play O-line in high school. I played D-line. But, I mean, he was an intense coach. Like, although he was coordinating the freshman offense, you know, if I was slacking or anybody else was slacking at practice, you know, he was going to let us know and he was going to – get down our throat and let us know yelling at us and that's how it's, that's how it should be it's an intense sport so you got to have intense coaches mm-hmm. so so what did you learn that you say you didn't know what's the first thing you learned as a freshman that you didn't learn like in in the patriot league and you know, i mean uh with the sand hill patriots uh probably just as a defensive lineman just hands like gotta have good hands at the end of the day you gotta have good hands your feet work can be as good as it want to be but if you ain't got no hands and no strike as a D lineman, you're worthless. Okay. Chris, you look you like you got a question, Chris. You got a question? No, I thought footwork was probably the most important, but you say it's hands. Okay. Not for D line. Like it's other positions where like your hands don't gotta be as good, but your feet need to be good. Mm-hmm. But for for defensive line specifically, it's hands. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So by the time you got to from freshman to probably a junior senior season, uh, what was the, the the main? What's the thing that you grew the most in? What 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 did you become like almost like great at? What was your thing that you was great at, or whatever that helped you get recruited? Uh, it was really my get off and my strike. Like I was strong, but I don't really think I was like super super strong yet i just had like a good get off like soon as the ball moved i was able to like time that good um like i got recruited at a western carolina camp i went to the they had an o-line d-line camp so i went up there as a d-line and we had helmets and shoulder pads on and uh basically um we did this drill it's called board drill so it's a board it's like a wooden board in between you and you lined up over it and it's an offensive lineman on the other side and it's a defensive lineman on the other side whoever push the other person off the other side win 
And I think I won like, I want to say like three in a row. Because, I mean, they had already invited people to that camp specifically that they wanted to watch. But, like, they let other people come, too, to raise money. So, at that point, I was one of the other people to just raise money. And then uh, I won about three of them. And the coaches seen I was dominating on the other end. So, they brought me to the end where they had already had the people they was already recruiting and stuff like that. And I started winning over there. So after that first day of the camp, uh, the coach from North Greenville pulled me to the side and said, yeah, you definitely got an offer from us. So. Okay. Then, so that was, the, was that the biggest school that recruited you at the time? Oh uh, yeah. Okay. And then Western Carolina, uh, they talked to me, but we didn't really get more than, um, than a conversation and it was never, they never pulled the trigger and offering. Okay, okay. Cause see, and this and this is the kind of the reason why I started this um this show. Um, just to give you kind of a, a background of history, um, because of players like yourself and players like Bradley Haskell. I know you know Bradley Haskell. Mm-hmm. Um did y'all grab y'all ain't grab he he a year behind you, right? Uh I think Bradley yeah. Bradley two years behind two years. So Players like yourself, because I remember the first time watching him play, and I remember the hype around him. And I'm like, nah, this kid can't be this good. And I grew up with his dad. And I'm like, nah, this kid. Like, I'm getting all this hype when I went to go see him, and he was good as advertised. And I always wondered, like, especially with Pinecrest football becoming better over the years, because when I went, we were straight garbage. Like, it was, yeah. you know, we had the players, but record-wise, we couldn't beat, we couldn't beat a, be- a wet paper bag in the game. But um, you know, but y'all y'all program when you was there, y'all were winning, you know what I mean, on a on a consistent basis. But I wasn't seeing seem like y'all wasn't getting recruited at some of these bigger schools. And I'm like, okay, what what's the problem? And that's why I started this because I'm like, if I can build up a, a, a something where the players like yourself can come on and network and to be able to say, okay, who is this kid? Maybe we can go back and look at them, you know what I mean, or whatever. So whatever, and then you know y'all get a more opportunity. Not to say the schools y'all are in are not great schools. I'm just saying, you know, at the same time, why not still get recruited by the Alabamas, the Georgias, and the other schools too? You know what I'm saying? To give players options. So well, what do you, what do you see? Is do you see it's an issue or a problem when it comes to coming from a, a smaller town school or whatever? Well, um. And this might be a little bit biased, but when we was playing like teams like Scotland and uh, Richmond and stuff like that, we seeing they players get offers from ECU and Campbell and big schools, but we not really, we not getting no big offers. Like I had a running back that I played with, Zayton Hill. He ran for 2,000 yards, and nobody in the state of North Carolina recruited him. No mm. team in North Carolina, no team in South Carolina. And he had a 4.0 GPA and got a 1,000 on the SAT. So there was no reason for him not to be recruited. But it took a team, an Ivy League team, all the way in Pennsylvania for him to get a Division One offer. And now, now um, before you continue, now, Crystal, just I'm – um, um, up, um, educate Crystal on this. 
Now, Pinecrest is one of the probably best academic schools in the state of North Carolina. So what he's saying is it's not like he's it's not like somebody making a 4.0 at some rinking dink high school. Yeah. He's talking about academically wise, like the classes you take at Pinecrest, you're taking college courses mm-hmm. early. You know what I'm saying? So what he's saying, you know what I'm saying, is almost ridiculous in what he's saying, who what this kid brought to the table. But continue. Mm-hmm. So he had a few teams talk to him in North Carolina, but nobody ever said, you know, we're, we want to offer you. Like he, he was talking to Elon. Elon actually liked him, but they just stopped talking to him. It's like they found somebody better, but. I mean, if you look up the stats, there wasn't many people that ran for 2,000 yards in their senior season. So, I mean, it was just it was just little weird stuff. But as I went to school in South Carolina, what I realized is a lot of these players and these high school players go to camps. When I went to Pinecrest, we were encouraged not to go to camps because our coach told us we were going to get overlooked because we might be just as talented as the people from Richmond and Scotland and stuff like that, but we're also smaller. So our coach told us, like, yeah, y'all are going to get looked over, but we still should have went anyways just for an experience thing and uh, just, you know, try it out. Like me, um, I was told – uh, that I was probably going to get overlooked at the Western Carolina camp. My coach really didn't want me to go because um, he said I was probably going to get overlooked. But if I didn't go to that camp, I wouldn't be playing football right now. So really, as a young football player coming up right now, I just encourage you to go to three big D1 camps every year, even if you go to the same three every year. Like if you go to the Clemson camp, you go to Duke camp and you go to the NC State camp. But see, with those camps, like you go to the NC State camp, I remember going to the NC State camp at, as a freshman. And uh, it's more than just NC State there. You might have Wingate, Campbell. Like at, at a big D1 school, you'll have small D1s and Division II uh, schools there too. Like, I know, I want to say it was the Clemson camp last year. I just looked at who was going. I was already in school, but I just looked at who was, what schools was going to be there. And I want to say Wingate was helping work it. My school was helping. And uh, UNC Charlotte was helping. So, basically, what they'll do is if if a person out there is too small to get recruited by Clemson, even though they're pretty good, if they're too small, what, what the smaller schools will do is they'll pull that kid to the side and let them know, like, yeah, you're probably too small to play here. Clemson won't ever offer you, but you can come start at this school next year. Like, you're that good. Mm-hmm. So, but as, I mean, just as for me, I would just encourage the kids to go to these camps. That's the only way you're going to get looked up. Yeah, because because you know how true I know that is because um, you know my kids we grew up they grew up in the in Atlanta area in the um, South Atlanta area Clayton mm-hmm. County to be more specific Forest Park and Forest Park was like the worst 
high school team I ever seen play in my life. Mm-hmm. And they was like 0 and 10, 1 and 9 every year, whatever. I'm talking about getting beat 50 to nothing, 50 to 3. But they had one player who stood out and he ended up going to Alabama. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, I'm like, how is this happening where you could play at a team this bad? And even though you, you know, you could you could tell he, you know, he was better than everybody on the field, but he was able to get that scholarship, you know what I'm saying, at Alabama. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's why I say that's why this is the whole thing of 910 sports, specific why I started this is because of what you're saying is that players like yourself and others who because like what, what was your stat line? What was your like biggest stat game or stat year at Pine Crest? Oh, biggest stat year, I would say I have four sacks. I have 48 solo tackles, and I had 64 total tackles and one forced fumble. And that was my senior year. And, uh, like, I still, when I'm at school and stuff like that, like, as you meet new people, everybody starts talking about their high school and stuff like that. So, like, we all watch each other highlights. And I've had plenty of people ask me, like, dang, how did you end up here? But it's just more of a thing, like, like I talked to UNC Charlotte. They told me I was too short for me, for them to offer me, like, give me a scholarship. Because they told me if I would have been, like, six foot, six foot one, six foot two, they would have offered me immediately. They love my film, but – they just really, I guess they really couldn't take that chance. Okay. Because you're 5'10, right? 5'10. Okay. And the thing about it is, you know, like I said, I've I've kept up with you a little bit over the last couple of years. And you know, you 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 kind of dominated, you dominated a little bit on your freshman year at uh at Greenville. So mm-hmm. I mean, that let me know that you legit because you know, a lot of freshmen don't come in dominating, especially at DT. You know, I mean, normally yeah. the defensive tackle, you know, defensive lineman, it take it take a, a year or two for them to kind of get, you know, acclimated and understand. And, you know, a lot of times them offensive linemen are super strong and, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean, so it's hard to get off the line, you know, when you were freshman at, at that position. So, yeah. you know, just transitioning to that, how hard how hard was it to transition to high school to college when you're dealing with certain things? Well, I graduated high school early because I knew the transition was going to be big. So I ended up going to school a semester early. So I was supposed to go in the fall of 19, but I ended up going in the spring of 19. So I, I went a semester early so I can already get acclimated into the defense. So but when I first got there, I mean, we was pretty much running the same plays as Pinecrest, but you really had to understand the concept of the play. Like at Pinecrest, if they call the play, we just ran the play. But there, it's like certain players got a certain mentality to them. So, like, if we call a blitz or if we call a certain play, it's got a blitz mentality to it, which a blitz mentality just means go get the quarterback. Don't play the run. Go get the quarterback. It's a pass rush time. And then you got, like, certain plays where it's stop the run first. We'll worry about the pass later. So, I mean, just probably that the biggest transition to me was more mental than physical, in my opinion. Um, It's bigger players, bigger, stronger players. But if you understand mentally, 
you can really make a lot more plays than you can physically. Because I know some physically strong people who not really that good, but if they had it in the mental area, then they would be great. Okay, okay. So what, what are you going to school for right now? What what's your major? I'm a business management major. Okay. So what what's your if 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 you know uh if once your career ends, whether it's after in college, NFL, whatever, what what would you what would be your you know a dream job or dream goal with that degree? Uh oh no man, I really been I've been wanting to get into the, the restaurant business because I really got a passion for cooking, too. Um, I've really been wanting to get in the restaurant business. I've been thinking about going to school, going to culinary school uh, after I get out of uh, college. Because that was really my original plan. Like, if if I never got to play college football, I was just going to go straight to culinary school. Okay, okay. So, Jacob, I see you got made it on, brother. Uh, so you get uh you got any questions that you've been listening or whatever at all? Yeah, um, I have. Um, I followed the running back that he was talking about as, as well as him for some years because I have a lot of family in Charlotte that tell me about different schools, you know, surrounding Charlotte and stuff like that. But the running back actually had 2,012 yards that season, and he was in from what – a few of uh, the coaches that used to coach at Independence, um, one of the secondary coaches was telling me about the running back. If he actually got recruited by South Carolina State, Benedict College, um, Charleston Southern, um, and I think Valdesta State along with Savannah State. But uh, the coaches never gave him the letters or never gave the school a call back as they do all the time with smaller schools. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, what I say nowadays, you have a lot of parents that recruit on max preps and and you know huddle prep and a lot of different you know um, stats stat programs for for high school kids that are trying to get to the collegiate level, and then you have a lot of coaches that outweigh the JUCO. But from what I understand, man. Um, it's over 387 JUCO schools that have, you know, football programs and stuff like that. And so a lot of coaches outweigh the JUCO, which a lot of players in the NFL came from JUCO. Mm-hmm. So, but a, a lot of coaches don't give these kids the letters. They don't return the phone calls. They don't even set up a meeting with the parents. And the guidance council of their school side with the coaches. And so they don't even set up set up meetings at all with the with the parents and the coach and the guys that try to get these kids in school. And so I definitely understand where he's coming from as far as the camps do matter. The camps get you seen by people who would never even see you. Yeah, and uh, you you probably right with that because, like, my coach that coached me, he isn't even there no more. But we heard plenty of instances where he would tell people, like, Oh no, you don't want to go there. Even if they received the letter and they gave it to him, like, "Hey, coach, I think they want to recruit me," he would tell them, "Hey, you don't, nah, you don't want to go there." Which it's like that's not really at the end of the day, that's not your decision. Because I'm sure Valdosta State, I'm sure those other schools that you named definitely wanted to recruit him, but never heard nothing back. Like I know, I didn't find out until probably two months later 
that uh, two months after I had already committed and went to school, um, that Winston-Salem State had came to the school and they was probably going to offer me on the spot. And I never heard nothing until two months later because he told them I wasn't interested. Wow. How can you you how can you make that decision for me? You didn't ask me if I wanted to go there. He just made that decision for me. And that's I just don't think that's right. Um and for the running back too. I mean, I'm sure he would have appreciated though all those offers of Savannah State, Valdosta State, because we play Valdosta State. They're in my conference. Like they're still in the playoffs right now. They're the number one team in the nation right now. Um, I play in the hardest D2 conference out there. We had at one point of the season, we had five teams ranked in the top 25 in the nation for D2. We had five teams, and it's only eight teams in our conference. If that lets you know, yeah, yeah. right. And then, uh, another thing, man, is how I know he got recruited. Um, my, my little cousin used to be quarterback for Union High School, Union kind of High School, and his name is Kashawn Glover. Mm-hmm. And so um, Kashawn used to talk about him all the time because Kashawn's daddy stays in Charlotte. And so um, people in Charlotte know who he was because a lot of coaches that coached at Independence High School, which one of the most winning programs in Charlotte, know who he was. So. With, with that being said, man, um, y'all had a few players along with yourself, man, that was probably highly recruited by HBC, JUCO, Division Two, small Division One. But, you know, uh, the coaches want the spotlight in, in, in a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. And they don't give the give the athletes their, their, their due justice. So, so with that being said, man, um, that, that's how I definitely know about him, who he is, and and uh, the things he did, as, as well as, you know, c- when I find out who you was, and I had been following you for quite some time, you know, because I follow a lot of D-linemen, offensive linemen, you know, because that's my position, offensive linemen, defensive linemen. So, you know, that, that's the position I play. So I follow a lot of um, standout players, and, you know, they don't get – and a lot of them are, are going to Juku now. Um, Juco now, um, you know, I, I, I got a cousin – my cousin CJ Boxer, he he went to JUCO. He just graduated, so he's he's probably going to go to either Eastern Kentucky or um, I think it's Northwestern Arkansas. But they're still Division One, but they're not a Division One like a Clemson or Alabama. But they are still Division One. So it's a lot of great schools out there. And if you was recruited by Winston Salem State, man, you would have played against some. Some, some great HBCUs and, and got a chance to get seen a little bit more. And, you know, a lot of times when it comes to coaches that are not familiar with HBCU or don't follow HBCU, mm-hmm. um, they they just throw the, the letters in the trash, man. So, you know, I definitely understand what you're saying. But we got to start holding these coaches accountable, man. Um, you know, because I hold Saluda coaches in my whole high school. I hold him accountable all the time. I even – had some parents to call and talk to me about him. And I said, y'all got to hold him accountable. These y'all kids, man. You know what I mean? And yeah. you can tell, you can tell when a coach is a great coach, but you can tell when a coach won a championship off pure talent. And that last state championship, Saluda won, was off pure talent. It wasn't all coaching skills, bro. Yeah. 
You yeah. know, he had he had these guys that had been playing together since they was a pop Warner, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, and these guys had been playing together for a long time, so they really knew each other. Defensively, offensive, special teams, all of the above. So, but yeah, man, we definitely got to hold these coaches accountable, especially when it comes to our young black athletes. 100% agree with you. And then my coach, I know he wasn't really that familiar with HBCUs. That's how I know. That's why he was like, he he don't really know, you feel me, what it's like to go to an HBCU. He don't, he don't know what it's like to get that offer from the HBCU. So he, he just kind of threw it out the window because that's where he would want to go. But at the end of the day, it's not about him. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. Okay, so so is, is is your ultimate goal? Do you do you uh, are you passionate about really trying to push yourself to make it to the NFL? Is like is that something that you really like dreamed about as a kid, or is it just kind of like you know, you your education is more important, the most important thing? What what how you how do you balance it all out? It's something I dreamed about as a kid, but uh, when I realized like most of the D linemen in the league is about. Six four, six five, and I'm like five ten. I was just, I kind of put that to the side. Like, I'm not gonna chase it too hard. Now you still got some D linemen out there in the league. You feel me? That's short. That's doing their thing. Obviously, Aaron Donald, uh, like Linval Joseph. So, I mean, that's still definitely right there in my pocket. Oh, uh, I think so. Like I told you, I play in the best uh, D two conference in the nation. We got. NFL guys every year. So I mean it's definitely definitely not discouraged from it, but uh I missed a few games this year at the beginning of the year. I was trying to get all conference this year. So hopefully I'm shooting for I got two more years of eligibility. So I think if I can get all American uh these next two years, I think if I can go for an all American spot, um I think I can definitely have be talking to some teams at the end of the day. How many how many sacks did you have this past season? Or how many tackles uh, sacks? What was your stat line like? Or the games that you did? No. How many games did you end up playing? I ended up playing five games. Okay. So what was your numbers in those for those five games you played? Uh first game back, I uh I had I want to say it was Six tackles, one for a loss, a forced fumble, forced fumble recovery, and a sack first game back. And then uh, second game was West Georgia. I didn't really put up no stats that week. I think I only had one tackle, but that was a big passing game, and it wasn't like they – a lot of these teams know how to like these some really good coaches out here at this D2 level. Like I think a lot of people sleep on the D2 level. It's some really good coaches out here and they know how to scheme around our defense, I guess. So like if we sitting in cover three the whole game, they just gonna run stuff to beat cover three, which is quick passes. So they ran a bunch of quick passes and then um I forgot who came after West Georgia. Uh, it might have been. I think it was West Alabama. I had, like, 
maybe two tackles. I had a few pressures. I didn't get no sack. I had a few pressures. Um, and then Valdosta State, who was number one in the nation at the time, I ended up having six tackles, one for a loss. And uh, I think I had a quarterback hit, but he had just threw the ball. And uh, I think that was it for that game. And then uh, I guess last game of the season, we played uh, Shorter University. It's in uh, Rome, Georgia. Mm -hmm. Um, We played them. And that was senior night, so – I didn't play as much that game because he wanted to get the seniors plays, which I'll never complain about that. Um, it's their last yeah, I blew game. Them out. Yeah, we won 56. I want to say 56 0 that game. I had like two tackles that game. So, I mean, but like after the season, I talked to my coaches and they pulled me to the side and they was all telling me, they was like, you feel me? If we would have had you them first five games, our defense would have been a lot better. And not to toot my own horn, but, like, once I got back, our defense really took strides, like, as a defense, like, not letting up as many points when I got back. But that was just, you know, missing a piece. We was missing a piece on the D-line because we got some good D-linemen. But, you know, at that college level, you can't really have that many gaps in your defense. Like, you can't have – you, you need all 11 players to be good to have a great defense. And if you only got 10 players out there doing their job, then, them college, like I said, them offensive coordinators out there, they know how to scheme against it, and they're going to they gonna figure out who the wink link is. Right. Mm-hmm. They'll attack. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, it sounds like what you were saying. You had good numbers because, I mean, mm-hmm. I you know, I've, I've seen – Players that made it NFL college level wouldn't have, especially a deep tackle, wouldn't have six tackles in a game. And yeah. you know what I'm saying, you know, that's not some something they necessarily would do every game or whatever. So it sounds like to me that you you got a potential to dominate because next year you're saying you're going to see a junior season, right? Yep. So you you have you definitely have the potential to dominate. And the thing about college football is you don't necessarily have to be at a D1 like a top school to get. Mm-hmm to get, like, drafted. You know what I mean? You see players come from smaller schools all the time, from your Shannon Sharps to Savannah State to this one and that one or whatever. You see players come all the time over the years, come from smaller schools and dominate in the NFL. So, you know what I mean? So I, I think, you know, you know, you know, you definitely had the potential. But, uh, Crystal, Jacob, y'all got any questions? No, man, just um, I just want to thank you for coming on the show, man, and, and stay in touch, man. Um. This summer, um, maybe um, gonna try to run a football camp in my hometown, uh-huh. and so um, I, I even might want you to come through, man, and so you can help these high school de- defensive linemen. So once I get it um, set in tune with the principal, I have Eddie to reach out to you, man, and give you some dates and, and, and see if you'll be available because um, a lot of the high schools don't have the camps no more. So you know, with um, Eddie's nephew, one of his nephews played for Oregon. Well, in the NFL and along with you, and then I'm um, reaching out to the quarterback at South Carolina State as well, which is my cousin's son, and um, just trying to do a camp for the youth. Yeah, do that. Sure, keep in touch with that. 
Yeah. Okay. So I, I mean, you, you didn't answer your question yet. The, the, the question that Jacob normally asks is, as far as like uh, giving back to the community and things in the community, what what are some of your passions in the community? Uh, passions in the community. So while I'm home for uh, Christmas break, I wanna uh, I wanted to go to the the local uh, elementary school, and I wanted to just see like ask the principal for somebody like who's at risk or don't really have too much um and i was just gonna try to be a mentor to them through my christmas break time and then probably taking christmas shopping get them a few gifts um just to show them you know somebody's there for them uh if they don't have like a father figure or something like that because you know a lot of these kids around here they get they get lost in in that life like I've seen plenty of talent come through Pinecrest and just get wasted because they just wanted to be the cool person or something like that. But really just trying to show them that ain't, that ain't the way you got to go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So what, what, what's your dish? What's your, what's your, what's your go-to dish? Since you say you a cook, what's your go-to dish? Uh, Probably the, I don't know. Like my, the best thing I make is either the mac and cheese or the smoked ribs. One of the two. Okay. Just make both gotta, of them. Yeah, you got to <laughs> let the people decide that one because I don't have people tell me, man, you got to make them ribs again. But I don't have people, you know, pay me to make their mac and cheese for their family <laughs> on Christmas and Thanksgiving. Okay. So did you make Thanksgiving macaroni this year? Mm-hmm. Okay. Then it's, yeah. it's legit. Then if you no. get if you get oh, yeah, it's the legit. Thanksgiving, it's legit. I made mac and cheese. I did a, uh, <clears throat> I did some pulled pork and I did uh fried turkey. Okay. 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 Well, I might I might have to holler at you and then uh, <laughs> you do yo know, if I'm so 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 Derek just let me know, man. Once you cook for these these boot things you got, uh, you have to fight <laughs> them off, man. Because one one thing about females. If they don't do nothing else, they love to damn eat. Believe that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. Hey, well, hey, hey, well, um, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but anyway, man, I appreciate you coming on here, man. Um, we're gonna we're gonna continue to um watch your career. Um, watch you blossom. Like I said, I, I grew uh with the high school with your mom. So you know, I definitely keep up with all my classmates' kids um when they're when they're doing big things out there. So we definitely want to continue to follow you and then hopefully bring you back on here in the future. Um so you can, you know, let hopefully we'll be we'll be bring you back here when you when you getting drafted too, or even before mm-hmm. that. But like I said, Jacob, he gonna con- we're going to get in contact with you about these camps, stuff like that, you know, and keep you in the loop with things we got going on over here. So, but I definitely tell everybody where they can follow you at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Are you said for me to tell them where they can follow me? Yes. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Instagram. It's uh, moneybag with two Gs and uh, underscore rod with two Ds. Okay, okay. I appreciate you coming on, man. Are y'all are y'all any because I know D2 too different. Y'all do are y'all any kind of playoff run or any kind of bowl game or uh no, we went 
uh five and six this year. Now my first year we went three and seven. So we still improving, still recruiting. Uh we starting to get out of state more just because we realized like playing in that conference, like I told you, that's that's a hard conference. And uh the thing is our school costs so much that we don't really get to recruit out of state right as much because the out of state tuition. So like in South Carolina, the South Carolina tuition grant, that might give a student twenty thousand dollars so our coach can offer, you know, three South Carolina players for the price of one Georgia player. So what he'll do is he'll just offer the South the three South Carolina players and then just try to develop them. But the problem is with that, with playing in our conference is we having to develop our players. These other schools is getting players who already ready to play. Right. And ready to just come in and just dominate immediately. But we're starting to get some more out of state kids. Okay. So cool, once cool. we once we start getting the Georgia kids and the Charlotte kids, because if you look at the map, Greenville is two hours away from Charlotte and it's exactly two hours away from Atlanta. So mm-hmm. I mean it ain't like we ain't got talent around. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I know but, as any kid, you know, if if you from Atlanta or Charlotte, two hours ain't that far away from home. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, but, just, it's just far enough for you to be to get your freedom too. <laughs> yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So but one thing about North Greenville. And you know, I I got some partners that went to that school. That is a school when it first started. It was heavily funded by the church, mm-hmm. so a lot. Of, and the school is not under LLC. It's on a five hundred C one three nonprofit law, and so it's under the Christian nonprofit law. And so a lot of things that they was offered, they turned down just because of the the Southern Baptist community. Yeah, but as, we're still as, funded as, by them. Okay. Okay. So, and, and as I, I see this growing though, and um, there's a few more grants that's coming out that's going to help uh, out-of-state tuition, kind of uh, the cost kind of go down, and that way the school can offer, you know, um, partial scholarships, but it'll be a full ride because they get that grant money too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but yeah, it's 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 a kind of prestigious school. Uh, it's it's. It's got some laws that you would normally see at a regular school, like because they want to, because they want to keep that five or C one three nonprofit thing where they follow the bylaws as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, I appreciate you coming on, brother. You have a rest of the good day, a, a, a good day, and um, great day, and uh, you know, a great holiday, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, y'all too. Y'all stay right. in touch. All right. All right, peace. All right, peace. Yeah, so so basically, you know, we get to do this rundown real quick on these games. I appreciate everybody coming on uh, this morning. Uh, you didn't have to come on, brother. I mean, you could have rested up, man. Yeah, man, I wasn't I was feeling the best, but, you know, I wanted to come on and, and just see both of y'all face so I can glow it a little bit, you know. So, I can, so, 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 you ain't let me change what I said I'm going to glow about. Okay. I'm gonna say, man, I just don't really think y'all need to really, really, really. Uh, when I tell you something gonna happen, it's gonna happen, man. Like, listen, man, 
I told y'all that George wasn't built like that. Oh, so, okay. But let's, listen here, man. If you remember back when they played Clemson, they weren't built like that, bro. They, they No, bro. And Clemson was not – Clemson lost three games this year, but they was not an impressive team this year. They was really not that good. The defense just really held them together. That's all. The, the, the offense didn't really hold them together. The, the defense held Clemson together. So, right. with that being said, <clears throat> I said, man, that coach for Alabama, the goal to college football, I said he gonna. I I knew he was gonna out coach Georgia coach. He gonna tear them apart. He gonna put put all in their ass, and he did. He did. Well, well, you definitely seen you definitely seen the talent disparity when it came to them wide receivers. Cause that was the difference in the game. They couldn't stop Jalen or Jay was Jay Wine Williams and Beecham. Right. They couldn't stop and they couldn't do nothing with them at all. And the front seven wasn't getting any pressure. And that's a that, that was the problem. That, that their was seven wasn't getting no pressure. None. He had and all day to throw the ball. Exactly. You know what I mean? You got so, all day. You you gonna be able to tear defense apart if you got all day to throw. And Chris, so I'm I'm gonna say this, man. I'm gonna say when your defensive lineman, as you say, can't get any penetration, the lineman can't even shoot through the gaps. Right. The man, they didn't do anything. When, when when that quarterback set back and that right guard pull and that left guard pull too and they close that gap up like that, it is no penetration. Mm-hmm. And then and then when Alabama's on defense, even when they ran the ball, man, they boxed the defense ends like that and there was no outside containment. None. Mm-hmm. And so and so But and, Georgia quarterback had a lot of time too. He just he didn't did. have nobody. It was like he didn't have nobody throw it to. Yeah, right, he, right. Yeah, he, he had no like I said. Like I talked about earlier. I don't know. What, I don't know what was going on with Pickens because they put him out there. He made a big play and then they didn't use him anymore. So I don't know if he was still. Maybe he got another tweak or something. And he didn't yeah. say nothing. But they needed somebody to take the top off because tight ends. Them tight ends wasn't doing enough for them to scare Alabama and, and to like back Alabama up at all. So you know what I mean or make them play honest. Alabama didn't have to play honest at all yesterday you know what i mean they could play it exactly how they could they basically play a basic defense against georgia yesterday you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. i actually okay. had faith in georgia this year i never me. believe in them yeah, i never go with them and i actually was like this was alabama alabama's really good even on their down years they're still really good mm-hmm. but this wasn't as impressive uh, of a team as he right. normally has so for me, but the Georgia team, this was one of their better teams. Mm-hmm. So this especially was, defensively. So to me, I was like, this is your best chance. Kirby Smart, this is your chance to beat him. He kind of down. He ain't really down because his down year is better than most teams' best years. But still. Right. And and they, went, they didn't even, even close. Yeah. He just got outcoached again. The talent level. Actually, Georgia's probably slightly more talented than Alabama, at least on paper. As far as the five they, star, four star, they're slightly more talented than they than, are than Alabama. But they, they are, but this, but, but the coach this is, the coach is but slightly coach is below. Different. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but 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 this Georgia team is good. But this Georgia team is not exclusive like the team that Todd Gurley played on. No way, shape, fashion, or form. But right, offensively they're not. But defensively they are. They didn't even they, impose they are, their yeah. no offense. I mean, defensively. Not at all. Right. They didn't even right. do that. I yeah. expected them to do that at least. Because the thing I about it, it is, you got to think 
Stenham is built to, he what he was built to just hold the fort down because of that defense. Let's just say the defense was averaging what seven points a game to be given mm-hmm. up. Let's just say they would have held Alabama, let's just say like 17. They would have had a legit chance to win that game. Right. If you're giving up 38 yeah. points when you when you when you averaging seven, and then you you asking that quarterback to do way too much, and he's not built like that. He's right. not. Not only is he not built like that, he hasn't been asked to do that all year. At all. Yeah, so, so, yeah. so, 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 then what happens? This is what happens when you see how a quarterback is built. Like, so, as you say, Icon E, <laughs> mentally, most quarterbacks can't make adjustments. So, that makes them mediocre in your eyes. And so, what we have seen that who can't make adjustments in crunch time, Tanny Hill can't make adjustments. That Prescott struggled with adjustments. Um, Josh Allen is going to struggle with adjustments because you know why? Uh, because New England is going to beat the living dogs tonight. Them today, believe what I tell you. <laughs> beat they the living play dogs tomorrow. <clears throat> tomorrow, so okay. You, you think so? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually nervous about that one. I actually put that the, one as an L for us. The, the reason I'm not nervous because Bill Belichick is going to look at this um, as like it's going to give him flashback when y'all played the Giants in the Super Bowl. Watch, he's going. He's gonna beat the hell out of you, man. Yeah, that, that's what I was gonna say. Cause being the minute we limited on time, I was just gonna, I was just gonna cover the the, the, the main games. The, the okay, okay. I want to say one more thing about college. Um, Cincinnati can beat any any college in the nation. Promise it. Well, your boy, your boy, picked them. He he picked them to beat Alabama. Listen, man. Cincinnati can beat any because they're not a big name school that's been winning. People are scared that Cincinnati is going to beat everybody, bro, and that's why they try to try to deny out. them all year. Yeah, yep, but but, but if Cincinnati getting get get there, bro, it's it's a wrap, bro. It's a wrap. Believe what I tell you. Oh yeah, they well, they gonna play Alabama in the first game. Believe that they they trying to get them out the way early. So I was right, trying well. to figure out why would they play Alabama first because Michigan should be number one. They should, but right. So shouldn't it be know. Michigan, Cincy? Oh, we don't it should, but well, they say Alabama gonna be number one because they beat the number one team in the country. So they're already saying Alabama gonna be okay. number one. Michigan okay. gonna be number two. Gotcha. Um, uh, Alabama, Georgia gonna be three, and Cincinnati gonna be four. That's what they. Why, that's should, what why should Georgia still be in it? I mean, only lost one game. I mean, I mean, who y'all, who's you gonna put? It? I mean, I agree. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like that thing where you get a second chance like that, especially at the end of the season. But we talk about the SEC. We so, already so, know how so, they are. So, 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 so it's it's no more and undefeated. Who else team? lost to? No, uh, nobody. Nobody else is undefeated. Right. Because so, <laughs> so, so, how many other teams lost one game? Notre Dame, but Notre Dame hurt themselves because they don't play in a conference championship. So that's what hurts Notre Dame. Um, Oklahoma State messed up because they lost yesterday. They right. could have got in uh, if they would have won. Um, who else was it behind them? I think that was about it. That was the only two teams that was really fighting for a spot was yeah. Michigan was um was was Oklahoma State and um and Notre Dame. But like I said, Notre Dame hurts themselves because they're not in the conference championship. You know what I'm saying? I think that's another reason why Brian Kelly left too, because he know every year, you know, it's kind of like he he battled with too many extra things going on. But that's another conversation so, for another day. So he, why, so we we're gonna go to the NFL real quick, but. 
why do you think Notre Dame is not in a conference? Because they were supposed to come to the ACC one time. At one time they were. Because they don't want to fully commit. So that's why they're kind of in the ACC, but they're not. Right. They, they play ACC, games yeah. Yeah. ACC teams, but they're not officially in because they still got those contracts with the network and all that. So because of their outside obligations, they don't want to fully commit to a conference. So they Well, stay- well yeah. it's been said that, that a lot of – Students are going to stop coming to them just because of that reason, because they I mean, don't feel like they, they they don't feel like they have a fair chance of even winning the 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 the, the college championship because they don't play in 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 a, a division or a you know anything like that. So you know they they, they just feel like they don't. That, then they might have to jump on somebody. They might just fully commit to the ACC then at some point because right, they, right. they was there for one year last year because of COVID, which kind of was like um, kind of crazy. That they allowed them to be in it. That's why they was in the in the conference championship game last year because they was actually allowed to be in the conference for one year. You okay. know what I'm saying? But anyway, look, we got real quick. I'm just gonna go to the, the games that really matter. Um, of course, we said the Patriots and the Bills. I agree with you. I feel like Bill Belichick gonna find it. the Bills kind of been struggling on and off. They haven't been as consistent as they were early. And like y'all, y'all, y'all tried to tell me that the Bills wasn't that good. To begin with, so I think that they will get exposed because it seems like Bill Belichick and the Patriots done hit their stride. They done figured some things out. So I think I'm nervous. I still think I it's gonna beat the Bills. I don't want the Cowboys to play them no more. I tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. Um, Hell no. And then we got uh, the Broncos and the Chiefs. I mean, if you want to call that a, a marquee game, that is tonight. I'm so, go Chiefs. Yeah, I do think Chiefs. I think you know. Yeah, definitely the Chiefs. Hey, um, I'm a, I'm gonna go against the grain. I'm gonna go Broncos only because my cousin Cross is Bryant get on my fucking nerves. You know what I mean? <laughs> get on my damn nerves. So yeah, um, you know, I'm I'm hoping that uh, that you know old boy can pull it off for for the Broncos and you know so I can be crit walking in the kitchen. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then I got and then I got. <laughs> The Ravens and the Steelers. Ravens and the Steelers is uh, you, oh, actually, you already know it's that, that might what, be a good game. That might, actually, you know. actually, man, even though we talk about Big Ben being in a wheelchair and and him getting medicated in, in Medicare, but Big Ben's stats are not too far off from Lamar stats. And not just well, Lamar that. had a horrible game last week. Yeah, I looked at it terrible. I looked at it this morning. E. It ain't that much, man. It ain't. It ain't that. Even though it's been as horrible as he has been, yeah. but he has had this game will be bad, but the next game will be phenomenal. This game will be mediocre, but the next game will be phenomenal. So he has had some good games, but you can tell he said he on his way out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He said his body constantly hurt. He said it on, on on an interview. My body constantly hurt. You know, yeah. he said how pay man man. He said his body constantly hurt, and and that's why he had to get out. He said the same thing. His yeah. body comes I mean, I, I I put it like this: it's gonna be a good game because it's a rivalry game. Mm-hmm. Both of them, they get up. It's it's like a Carolina Duke game. Both one one uh-huh. of the teams could be off that year, but when they play each other, they are gonna bring their A game. They are gonna play at a different level. So I think either this gonna be one of those down field goal, last second field goal type games, more than likely. You know what I'm saying? Um, What's going on? who you got though? I, I got I, I got. got I got, I got the Ravens slightly, slightly, slightly. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Ravens, but I really no. don't know. 
Yeah. Um, let me see another game. Well, we got well, my my my. I, you know what? I, I, as bad as I want to pick my boys to beat the Raiders and then Waller out, so I'm like, ooh, we might have a legit chance today. Really, really, really got a legit chance. But that's that's uh that's what you call it. Uh, Derek Carr, that's his security blanket as Waller. They're gonna cheat anyway. They 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 they're gonna cheat on y'all anyway, bro. You they gonna cheat on us? Yep. Well, why? Because it's in, in Vegas. The Raiders ain't shit, boy. <laughs> like man, man, when you when you put a team in a place where it's nothing but fake marriages, hoochie holes, prostitutes, pimps and gimps, hell no, bro. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh shoot. Uh. I mean, Niners and Seahawks. I, I think the Niners gonna go. I, I mean, man, that ain't even a game, man. Like, like I don't want to talk about no North football teams. If I, <laughs> if, if I wanted to watch the Niners and the Seahawks, I just turn on Netflix and look at Snoop Dogg Part One of Team. Well, I guess only other, I guess only other game really is worth talking about that might be competitive is Chargers and Bengals. I mean, that might be that's an intriguing game. And you don't know which team, either team, gonna show up. No, yeah, yeah. both of them. Like I, mean, I, mean, I mean, we got Joe Blow the Lover, man, and 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 we got Herbert the Pimp. Okay, I mean, I'm, I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, what I'm looking at too, I'm looking at more like storylines, like are the Rams, how how is 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 they they're gonna get? That's not necessarily. I think they're gonna beat the Jags, but how does that Odell Beckham thing? Is he gonna play? Get his opportunities today. So some of these games, I'm not even looking at wins and losses. I'm looking at more like storylines. But they should well, try to establish him this game. Exactly. Well, well, this is what I think about the Rams. And and, and, and this is why I don't like punk-ass Sherman Vick. This is why I don't like his ass, you know, because when you have elite receivers, you have to build a playbook just for those elite receivers, man. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, if you if you ever seen Jimmy Johnson interview, he would tell you that they build – they had to build a playbook for Michael Irvin. They built one for Alvin Harper. You know, they built one for uh, uh, um, Jay Novacek. You know, he mm-hmm. said he had he had playbooks built ex- exactly for those particular receivers. You know what I mean? Like Odell Beckham is a is a person that you build his own separate playbook. But you got to give him time. I mean? He ain't been there for three weeks. No, no, no. Th- 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 that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, if you look at the way the Giants orchestrated his talent, Eli mm-hmm. had a playbook that was built for Odell Beckham. You know what I mean? Okay. Eli mm-hmm. had a playbook that was built for Plessico Berry, for Cruz. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's what makes that receiver and that quarterback elite. You know what I mean? Just like when uh, with Britt Favre had, you know, uh, Robert Brooks and Antonio Freeman. Elite. You know what I mean? Just like when the Joe Montana had Jerry Rice and Johnny Taylor. Elite. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That playbook was elite. So, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I don't got nothing against the young coaches, but the young coaches don't think and are not creative as these old school coaches were, man. These, like, like being about your money is one thing, but understanding what a player's strengths are is a whole different battle. That's what made Bill Belichick so good. He understands what your quarterback's strengths are, and he understands that he can take a mediocre player that was in the third round and if the quarterback listens to him, he can make them elite. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Because right, Brady, 
Brady wouldn't have did this with Brady wouldn't have did that with no other team. No. Well, anyway, yeah. So yeah, we went over a little bit over time, but we should be all right. Anyway, man, um, I thank the guests for coming on today, Jeremy V. Jackson, um, and Rodney Evans. Um uh basically, uh, we definitely told Jeremy we're gonna bring him back right before the season start. Like I said, I don't know if he was watching. He's yeah, well, and, and 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 one thing I tell you about Jeremy, Jeremy is a a great person. Like if you got a son, uh, whether they play basketball, volleyball, baseball, whatever, he talks to a lot of D one, uh, D two, D three, JUCO. Uh, he's heavy in the JUCO, so he helps those athletes get in in school. You know what I mean? Like, cause he go to a lot of coaching conferences, a lot of camps, and stuff like that. And that's another thing, E, um, mm-hmm. that a lot of coaches don't go to the conferences like they're supposed to, bro. Because they, they have nationwide coaching conferences, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we definitely we definitely got to be here to, do, to help do uh, help push the, push the envelope and they have to uh, hold these coaches accountable or whatever for these players because a lot of these players are getting hurt by these coaches not being lazy, being lazy, not doing their job. Or whatever, more focused on themselves and not the players, um, or whatever. Um, and a great coach knows if you if you got great players and got a great program, your day gonna come. But if you so focused on just yourself, then you're gonna have situations like. Because the thing about it is, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a bigger storyline around the Pinecrest coach who left that program, who was under scrutiny for years. You know what I'm saying? Even though they were winning at a, a higher rate, it was a lot of it's a lot of it's a lot of backstory to that coach. That's why when Rodney was talking about it, it's a lot. There's a lot of stuff that that went on with that coach behind the scenes. That yeah, what, 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 what is he coaching at now? He's a uh, athletic director. Not Richmond. Is it Richmond, Scotland? I forgot. But I know he's a he left and became an athletic director at one of the other counties. Um, local the counties nearby. I want to say, I'm not sure if it's Richmond County or Scotland. It's one of the counties. Is that, is he's, that, got, he's still in the conference, though. I think he's still in the same is, conference. But he's an athlete. Is, 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 is that out there by Hamlet High School? I think so. Yeah, like Hamlet, Hamlet, Rockingham, and Bay, Richmond uh-huh. County. You know, Richmond County uh, High School. That's out there in Rockingham, which is right past right. Hamlet. Like ten. Yeah. So, 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 Richmond County High School is is is, is about is out there by the racetrack, the speedway. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. But um, I think I'm not okay. sure if it's Richmond, but I know whatever conference he went to. I mean, whatever team school he went to, I have to look it up. He um is still in the conference that I that I I'm almost certain of because I remember reading okay. about it or whatever or whatever. But like I said, it was a lot of stuff that. Like he talked about, it's a lot of stuff that was going at the that the, the alumni and the parents and stuff was not happy with this coach. And I didn't never know because I had, you know, I had left for a while and I kept hearing how they was trying to get him fired like three years ago. And I'm like, why would you fire a coach who's winning? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, Pinecrest not used to winning. So why so I knew it like, okay, something else had to be going on for them to want to fire this coach. But it was a lot of, I guess, stuff he was doing, like illegal recruiting and he was doing a lot of underhand stuff at the school that was, you know, mm-hmm. I guess that they was trying, they had to get them up out of there. So, but anyway, so, but anyway, yeah. So maybe we'll figure out what's going on on that and bring that up at a later date to find out, find, right. find out exactly what's going on with that. 
But anyway, man, um, we got 910 Sports Reloaded Wednesday night, 10 o'clock. We can really get more in depth in a lot of these storylines, especially really break down this college football playoff thing because I'm really intrigued about talking about that even more, go over more of these NFL games and other 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 discussions on Wednesday night. Um, so and, and, and we also can break down the three-part trade, which will, will land Russell Westbrook and Ben Simmons to Portland and Mason, C.J. McCullough, and Damon Leonard. Damon may go to Portland, and C.J. may go to Philly. I was reading a blog on that last night. It, it's not concrete, but that's what they were talking about in the blog. Well, I, I don't even want to get my hopes up until that happens. Like, <laughs> wait, wait, who's going to come to L.A.? Nobody's coming to L.A. L.A. might get – L.A. going to get what, – what's his name, Buddy? Buddy Hill. Buddy Hill. Buddy Hill, all right, mm-hmm. and then it'll be that trade will be like three, four, three, four ways. It'll send it'll send uh, Westbrook and Ben Simmons to Portland. Um, it'll take Dane to the Nets. It'll take um, McCullough to Philly, and um, Tyree. Will end up either is either is Denver or either is Utah. Yeah, no, that ain't that's not happening. Mm. Well, I mean, I mean, in 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 our eyes, it may not happen, but it might make it might make business sense to somebody else. It might. I can't see it though. I think Kyrie gonna mess it up because Portland, Portland, Portland wants want both of them out. You know what I mean? And Portland want to rebuild from the from the ground up. I don't know why the GM and the owner want to do that, but it's time. You know, uh, it's time. They want to they want to rebuild from the ground up, and um, and they want to really they from what I understand, they want to see what what Chauncey really can do on building from the ground up. Well, you already know my five year thing. If you can't win after five years after that day, I, I done built the whole team around you. Then somebody got to go. That's why I think Boston. I think that Tatum and that whole Tatum and Draylen Brown situation gonna come to an end by the trade deadline. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. And um, Joe M B is is pushing for Jalen Brown to come to Philly as well. Yeah, they need. They need. That'll be a good. That that'll be a good addition for them. Not not the not the not the coach or not the GMs, but that's what M B is going to the front office asking for. Yeah, okay. you, see, you see, you see what you see what uh, the Milwaukee doing. Milwaukee ain't playing no games. They went out and got West Matthews. They went out and got a Demarcus Cousins, which I think that's what they needed. They needed more offense. Their defense is solid. They needed Demarcus Cousins. Give them a different element on in that in that front court. You know what I'm that saying? Bomb. Huh? Yeah. He, he ain't doing nothing. He, he, I mean, he give him enough. He give him a, another scoring punch, like something else. Bomb. Cause he don't need defense. Uh-huh. They don't need defense. He but, might we'll call, but he gonna get exposed on defense um, anyway. Um, um. Yeah, we're we're talking. Hey, kids, hey, church folks, there. Bum, bum, bum. So listen, listen. Today, anybody, um, like I said, we got uh four twenty. We lit radio. They they re-air us at two p.m. every Sunday. Okay. Throughout the week. We got Benita show out in Delaware. What she started doing was she took episode one all the way up till now, and she airs different episodes, I think, every night or every other night. 
she until the just to take get all the way caught up so that people get acclimated with us out there in Delaware, Connecticut, New York, where her fan base is. So we we are in different fan bases and different you know areas right now. So that that's a good look for us. What we got, what, what's going on. So just to let everybody know, I think her show is eight o'clock. I sent, I gotta send you the link, Crystal. I sent Jacob the link to how to get how to go to her her um radio blog talk radio how to get on there you can you can actually register and then you know check out other stuff they got going on but she a good folk she the one that's gonna we supposed to be getting an assistant to uh to an nfl scout so that's supposed to be next week so hopefully that'll that'll go off without a hitch when we get the assistant to an nfl scout on here next week and that's because of her you know whatever so yeah so but anyway y'all y'all have a blessed day and we'll get at y'all. It's your boy, Icon. My man, get Jacob, the great, 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 great. And my girl, Crystal, a.k.a. C-Murder, a.k.a. Mr. West Wildfire. Uh-huh. Peace.